Hello and welcome to Femon Creatives. My name is Jess and this time I will be your host because I have managed to wangle a conversation with an awesome guest and I am so excited. This episode is part of the Fem On Podcast Collective, a wonderful space where women can chat about the things that we love and care about. So my guest today is Erica Lance. Erica is an author, actor, artist and podcaster and also the CEO of Four Horsemen Publications. Welcome to Film and Creatives, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. How are you today? I am fantastic today. Beautiful weather outside, wonderful conversations going to happen. I'm very excited. Brilliant. That's great to hear. Um, So I have given our lovely listeners just a very quick glimpse of who you are. Um, And I know that we'll be getting into some of the details soon, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, you did a fantastic introduction. I am... Yes. So I'm the CEO of Four Horsemen Publications. And also we went nonfiction and it's Accomplishing Innovation Press. And it was started in 2020. Super exciting. I've also been an author for like 17 years now. And under Erica Lance, I write uh, horror thrillers that do not have happy endings. So anyone who requires a happy ending, my books aren't going to be for you. (laughs) And then I, under Dahlia Lance or it says, it spells dalliance if you say it really quickly. I write humorous erotica. So those do have happy endings. So, you know, depending on which way you want to go. And um, yes, I have two podcasts that I host. I host Drinking with Authors and I host a podcast called Eerie Travels, which is uh, about the creepy and the weird. So that is sort of me in a nutshell. Perfect. I'm I'm so excited to dive right in. Um, I love I love that you give readers options. You know, you can have a happy ending or not. It's totally up to you. <laughs> or or whichever way you want to go. No. <laughs> um, okay, well, so so firstly then, um, before we start, because I'm I'm really excited, I'm really interested to 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 learn all about four horsemen publications. Um but before we do, I'd like to first learn a little bit more about you and your creative journey, which you've just hinted at. So um, you said that you've been an author for 17 years. Is that right? Something yeah. Something like that. Well, yeah. I've, of course, been writing since I was a kid, you know, um, stories and things like that. But um, I decided about 17 years ago, I actually wanted to do writing for realsies. I had written actually a a couple books before that, which I'm very glad no longer exist. And it was on a computer that got hit by lightning. And I know it's sort of unreal for people in this day and age to go, well, you shouldn't have lost that. But at that time, there were not like external hard drives, there were disks. And if you didn't have it saved on your disk properly, whatever, but unfortunately, my disk was in the computer when it got hit by lightning. So lost those, it's okay, lost the wind. They started off with a dark stormy night, so they were terrible, I can already tell you that. But in 2017, I started writing for real, and I started with some short stories with a writing group I was at, and I really, really enjoyed it, and um, decided to become like a published author that I eventually wanted to be basically writing full-time. I had done a lot of acting when I was younger, up until I had kids, so I'd always and apparently they don't like you to bring little babies on the set or, you know, to the playhouse. So whatever rules. Um, 
And so I, um, I, I loved having a creative outlet. So I started my writing journey back then. And it, it was very, you know, interesting and, and it led to what ended up being Four Horsemen Publications, but we can get into that in a little bit because there are some difficulties when you want to get published as an author. Well, and that's what I wanted to sort of talk to you a little about because the, so for, for me, like I, 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 like maybe two years ago, I realized that like my dream is to become a published author. And so when I think about people who have published books and they're like, oh, well, and then, you know, and then I started publishing my, my writing, I'm like, no, but wait, how did you do, like, how did that happen? Because that seems like such a tricky thing to do. And the more, the more writers I speak to, the more complex, you know, this whole thing about like publish, actually publishing your book. Um, it just seems so complex and so hard. And so I'm, I'm keen to know, you know, how, how, how that, how that happened for you. Well, I was lucky because the writing group I was with had a person who wanted to start her own small press. So I was lucky in the aspect that I got officially published by that small press in some anthologies. And then they initially published um, my first novels that I wrote, but um, they're wonderful and it was a great experience, but just putting something up on a site doesn't work. And I also was working with a not-for-profit in Tampa Bay, Florida area called Wordier Than Thou. And I started doing what ended up being my podcast, Drinking With Authors, but it was called um, Critical Drinking. And we met at a wine bar in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it was supposed to be, you read the book and we'll have like a little like wine and book critique. But um, the first time we did it, the author showed up. And it so that was a little bit different. I know a lot of book clubs sometimes ask authors to come, but I think it's, I don't know, it's weird for me and my, my co-host, so to speak. And we were like, what do we do now? Well, why don't we talk to the author about their writing journey and stuff? And then the next time the same thing happened. So we started just inviting the authors to come and talk. And as I heard more and more of these stories, and they're from anything from self-published authors through, you know, the top five publisher kind of things, um, there weren't a lot of happy stories in the publishing and how they got there. Like, I think as an art form, book publishing is so, um, can be so terrible for authors. And there are so many traps that people don't realize exist. And it's one of the few art fields where, like you take a painter, right? Who paints a beautiful sunset on a beach um, painting. You would never go up to that um, painter and go, I love this. It's wonderful. What I want you to do, though, is it needs to be a moonlight setting in a forest with snow on the ground. Yes. Like you never say that to a painter. That's not something that would happen. Yeah. But people say that to authors all the time. Like it's the equivalent of going, no, you have to change your female protagonist to a male protagonist. And oh. we want you to cut out this entire storyline and I'm not saying everything that's ever written is a diamond and is perfect, but a lot of times authors lose their voice yes. and seeing that over and over again, and also being with this small press and yeah, my book was on Amazon and stuff, but it wasn't selling. It wasn't going anywhere. The times I sold were when I went in person somewhere or I'm um, called and set up a signing for myself. Like it was a lot of 
work, but the momentum was not there. And I was mm-hmm. like, there has to be a way to do this better. We have to be able to create a way that authors can be artists and give them the tools necessary to be successful at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so before we carry on that story, um, I'd like to talk about the stories that you actually create, um, the stories that you've written, that you've written. Um, and you said that your stories center on horror and suspense, mostly without happy endings, apart from, you know, the erotica. Um, (laughs) so why do you think that you were drawn to this genre? Like what was some of the inspiration for your stories? Um, I, I love people watching. Oh, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I get one of my a lot favorite of my, hobbies. <laughs> yes. I get a lot of stories from people watching and just sort of hearing people's stories. And then um, when the first uh, short story I officially sort of published, you know, was called Jimmy. And it's a story about a young man who wakes up in a hospital after he's attempted to kill himself. But he wakes up and he was unsuccessful and he discovers that he was unsuccessful in doing this. And it goes into, um, I was writing this story and when I first started writing it, I was trying to put this happy ending arc and I, you know, I don't mind giving away a little bit on this story because it's just one of my stories, but he, he meets somebody who he befriends, right. Who also um, was, is in the hospital for, you know, attempting to kill himself but it turns out that's not actually what's happening and that person's not actually real. But in the story, I was initially trying to get it to a point where Jimmy gets better at the end of the story. And I rewrote the story like 10 times and it was just, the ending was terrible, right? I was like, ugh, this doesn't make sense. I feel it's unbelievable. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's also a writer and I'm like, I'm having this story problem, blah, blah, blah. And she also is a a PhD in English literature. We're just driving the car, having a coffee. And she goes, well, maybe it doesn't end well. And Mm -hmm. I was like, what? I don't know why this didn't occur to me. So this is like a brilliant revelation with a coffee in a car. What? And I was like, yeah, no, it doesn't end well. And the more I thought about it, because I love the horror genre and I love thrillers. And I think a lot of us like being scared or put in a place where we're uneasy because it's an emotion you can solicit from a movie or something in writing where you're still safe. Like, it's kind of like, I think why people like to read a lot of the romance stuff. It solicits that positive emotion, you know? So I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this the way I think it should end. And it does, it ends very badly. You know, it ends, uh, uh, not a happy ending at all for, um, the characters, but I realized when you're looking at a lot of traumatic situations, which a lot of these stories are centered around really horrible things happen. You don't walk out of trauma. Fine. You, you know what I mean? Oh no. No. And I think it's something that layers and layers deeper, you get into really addressing the mental health aspects of going through some sort of trauma. And I think portraying it like everybody walks out and they dust themselves off and we're all good. We're fine. You know, that's, that's not a true thing. So that's what drew me to doing it. And after that, my stories started flowing. So I have a lot of short stories that are published, but right now two books are in the works that are series based that are coming out this year. 
And one of them is the first in a, a series called the Florida Hunting Grounds, and it's about serial killers. And um, that one is called I Hunt You. And so that first one should be out this year. And then I'm writing a, uh, a novel called um, Jump. And it's about uh, people who have the ability to um, slip into other people's bodies. Like this has been figured out how to do this. And some people do it for nefarious reasons. So it's the first in the series and it centers around a young woman who's trying to buy her freedom, but she happens to be very, very good at doing this. So um, those two are coming out and, you know, they're, they're rough. They're going to be rough stories because they're fun, but it's challenging to me to write that way, to write it in a way that, you know, puts me on the edge of my seat as well, because mm -hmm. that's the reaction. Like when I've read my stories at open mics and things like that, I have friends that used to joke because they'd come and the whole audience at the end of the story would just be kind of like tilting their head. Like, is that, is that the end? And only when I like close my papers and go, thank you, do they start clapping? Cause they're like, Oh God, was that it? You know? Like, yeah. And it was always fun to see that reaction because oh, that yeah. meant what I was writing was doing what I wanted it to do. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, make you have to think, make you maybe a little uncomfortable with the, you know, the, what the premise of the story. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that you think about the, the kind of impact that you want the readers to have. And also what I would say is it's, when, when you write something that you don't try and twist into having a happy ending because that's what you think it should have when you it's it's a very honest way of writing um one of my um other conversations that I've had as as part of the literature for life podcast is is um with my friend Kitty and she was talking about a book that's that's basically about death dying and grief and she read it at a time when her dad had just died and she was just looking for, for 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 literature that would tell her that she wasn't the only one who had ever felt this way and so when you write in a way that is honest about things that happen to human beings you know and obviously like you're 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 weaving that through um you know creativity and 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 fantasy and, and all that kind of thing but when you're writing about the kind of human reaction and and you know not trying to force a happy ending that is very honest and that i think for some readers will make them feel um seen or it'll make them feel like they are not alone in how they feel sometimes i I thank you. I agree. I think, you know, it's interesting because I think I have people that have written, I know have written books about death or the loss of a spouse or, you know, um, uh, breaking up with people and how hard that is. And they go, well, I don't think anyone will like it. And I go, no, it will resonate. Yes. There is a place for me. There's a place for any kind of story because any kind of story, you may not have the same audience as Stephen King, for instance, right? But any kind, and you know, just pro prolific authors out there, right? But people want to hear your story. You know, yeah. authors out there, do not modify your story for what you think people want to hear, unless all you're going for is 
I want to sell a bunch of books. There's a bunch of education you can do on what popular genres are and following trends and exactly how the book needs to be written. Like there's a lot of hometown romances that are basically like Hallmark movies, which are not bad because they make what 400 Christmas Hallmark movies every year. Obviously there's an audience for that. Right. But if that's not what you want to write and you have a story and you have a truth, you should write that story no matter how hard it is because the, exactly what you said, there's going to be somebody that goes, oh my goodness, I'm feeling the same thing. Because a lot of, especially negative emotions, you can feel all alone, like you're by yourself. And that's never a good situation. Exactly. And that's life. Like all of those emotions are part of what being alive means, you know? And so um, I think they're just as important as a, a book that makes you feel nice and nice and happy as it were you know and and I say that as someone who doesn't tend to read things that make me feel uncomfortable so that's why I wanted to talk to you about what 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 you think has drawn you to writing horror and suspense because I'm not drawn to those genres and so I I I like listening to 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 people talk about things that they love that that don't necessarily that aren't necessarily the same as as mine because for me it depends on where where I'm at with my mental health or my mood or anything like that as to what I'm reading. There are a lot there are a lot of books where I've like I, I've stopped reading it just like sort of just as I'm getting to the end as everything's coming to a head and it gets really uncomfortable and then I put it down and I'm like okay well just not today and then I've just forgotten to pick it back up because I'm like oh not today um it's quite funny I have like four books on my shelf that I've done that with now it's becoming a bit of a bad habit but that's just because how I read but that's obviously not the same for everyone and so that's you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm interested um when you know because because like my friend Ria she I think you know she loves watching I think horror films um and I don't so I just I love talking to people who who do you know yeah, um, I think, you know, there's there's horror where there's gore, there's horror that scares you. The horror I like to write is not um, like what I call jump scares. It's not the boogeyman necessarily, right? It's um, more closer to, I do write a lot of, you know, fantasy or paranormal into my stories, you know, but it, I feel like a lot of times, and what I intend to do at least, is put you in a situation where you go, well, what the hell would I do in that situation? And put you into the emotional state of somebody else who's experiencing that. Because, um, you know, the Jimmy story, it starts off with his parents intending and the doctor trying to do something really good to quote unquote help him. And you see how you trying to impose your views. I'm getting very philosophical about the story, yeah, but please. you know, when thinking about writing it, I went, well, if you're trying to impose your views or what you think is best for the person, right? Um, it's a terrible state to be in. We all have opinions, but we're not living the life of that person. And you can give advices or you can think you know, but you don't know until you're sitting in the shoes. And so when I, I look at my stories, there is gore, there's graphic things that happen in my stories, but there is also a lot of like the mental aspect in getting into the frame of mind of somebody who's in the situation that these characters are in. And what would you do in that situation? Yeah. Right. 
how would you approach that um, thing? Because a lot of times there are situations, even in life, that do not have a um, good outcome. Like, you know, you have options, but none of those options are actually going to end up with everybody smiling. Like somebody's going to get hurt or everybody's going to get hurt or, you know, like where, how do you choose? And I think those are fascinating. And I do not necessarily see that kind of horror a lot where it's more about the mental aspects of it and not, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a scary monster and trust me, I love the scary monster ones, Nightmare on Elm Street. Amazing. Aliens is my favorite movie ever. Um, But I, that's how I like to write. And so I think it's, it's really interesting, but I also know to your point, my writing's not for everyone, right? I have, <laughs> I have friends, like even my family, my stepmom, you know, wants to be super supportive, picked up one of the short story books and put it down right away. And was like, <laughs> I can't do this. Like, this is too much, you know, where my dad was like, this is the greatest. This was so, and going into the scenes and she like just walked out of the room. She was like, I can't take it, you know, but also my dad reads my erotica stuff and I'll be out with him and he'll talk, run into a friend. And he's like, this is my daughter who writes this erotica. And then it's kind of weird when your dad is saying that even as an adult, I'm like, cool, dad. Thanks for talking about this in front of me with your friends. Love that. <laughs> thanks for your support. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, well, I guess he's talking about my books. I'll let it go. That is actually the only time I get embarrassed. I can talk about anything, but when my dad brings up my erotica books in front of somebody else that's like my embarrassed moment (laughs) yeah yeah I can I mean I can completely understand I I definitely (laughs) feel the same way um one thing I'm keen to know is because you you I loved what you said about getting into the getting into the mind of someone um who is in a really who's in that really difficult situation and as a writer one thing that I found is I mean I'm not I'm I have struggled with that when I'm writing um, some of my, like maybe my my villain character or even my protagonist because I want her to be complex. So I struggle to get into the zone or I have struggled to get into the mindset to write that that character. And I, I just wanted to know if that was the same for you, especially because you're writing um, horror and suspense in the way that you've just described you know getting your getting getting yourself in a place where you can write those in a way that makes you know that is uneasy and uncomfortable I think I you know doing acting I think helped me a lot with this because when you act you you are that character you're not acting like that character you're becoming that character you're going to be a you know a good actor Shakespearean and company you know uh, but I think a lot of people tend to have problems getting into the headspace of the character because you have to put aside what would you do in that situation? And we tend to think what would we do instead of what would that person do? And every villain, every villain, by the way, is the hero of their own story. So if you write a villain with the intention or something evil, I'm going to use the term evil with quotation marks, something evil, you have to remember that generally even if it's evil and it knows it's doing things it's not doing bad things it's doing the things it thinks are correct yes and if you if you can if you can put aside what would you think because there was actually a 
One of my um, erotica books, which is called 72% Match, I co-wrote with a, a really good friend of mine named Raymond Cluse. And he wrote the male character and I wrote the female character. And they meet on a dating site. Ironically, when we started writing this book, it was something different because we were at a bar. Um, and we started writing this book and it actually morphed. And there are going to be four books in the series because he wrote this first book with guy with three other roommates. So we're going based on his roommates, right? But we wrote these characters and neither one of them actually are, are good people. Like have any real redeeming qualities. They're kind of terrible people, not evil people doing bad things. They just can't get their shit together, right? Yeah. Either one of them. And they actually only meet a couple times in the book, but you're journeying on their life journeys. That was actually the hardest character I've ever written because I wanted to make something good about what she was doing. I want, and I kept writing it and then deleting it yeah. and writing it. And like, because that was hard, like in that model, I wanted the person to have some redeeming factor, right? She does not. And it didn't make sense for the story, but that was very hard for me to write versus writing, you know, um, an evil demonic kind of character. I can easily go, well, they think they're doing this right. And this is their job or, you know, a spooky doll. That was one that a lot of people were like, I don't, can you just put a trigger warning that says this has, a <laughs> doll in it? you know, that's easier to write because I, anyway, I know that's a very long answer, but I think part of it is as an author, you have to put yourself aside and yeah. not like become the character, but the moment you go, well, I wouldn't do that. Or that's not something, or how would I figure that out? The moment those words come out, you're not figuring it out. They're figuring it out. So add to their backstory as to why they would go a route or why they would make a decision. And that's where I feel people can enhance their ability to think like the character because we tend to start them in a period in time but there is a whole journey they went to before that period of time on why they're there so if you get stuck going what would they do or whatever go what part of the backstory have they encountered this before have they encountered something similar that would make them make this choice or did Rhonda their friend tell them something similar so they're going to go this path because Rhonda said that that's what she did yeah you know yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. That's um I feel like I just got some free advice on my this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um okay, so my um my last question then before we before we really get into the nitty-gritty of the company, which I'm very excited to talk about. Um and every time I meet someone who is super creative and that could be you know any kind of art form I'm always keen to know when when do you think that you are at your most creative because I do feel like it's easy for artists writers creative people to get in their own way sometimes oh oh yeah no and Facebook can get in your way and Instagram lots oh, of yeah. things get in our way yeah um I think for me Creating the story and creating the thing, I, I tend to find that I am, for my own writing, uh, when I am doing mindless chores or activities, like doing the laundry or doing the dishes. 
because it doesn't take a lot to do that. I, I hope for those listening that it's not a tragedy of some kind that you have with your laundry. But I find when I'm just doing the cleaning stuff, like a lot of the conversations will flow for me, which helps move the plot line along. Because I'm a very big fan of sucking somebody into the story and not letting them go. Like I feel when you get acknowledged that they couldn't put the book down, that tells you you're a brilliant story writer, right? Now, if they say I put it down, like if you look at some of my reviews, like my one of my favorite reviews I got was Erica Lance is an author that likes to punch you in the effing face. Like that, <laughs> it's a five-star review and it says that because they were not prepared for the, even though it says they don't have happy ending. I don't know why it like, it's in the blurb. It doesn't have an happy ending, but they weren't prepared for the ending of the story. Okay. And they went on the storytelling, but they talked about being pulled into the story. And so for me, that's part of it, but I also can get very creative and I feel wonderful when I'm helping other authors, okay. when I'm helping people sort of, I don't want to say, Oh my gosh, I'm amused. But for whatever reason, I can talk to you about your story and you will walk away, not necessarily taking any piece of advice I gave you, but unsticking the story. Yeah. And when I do that a lot of times, it unsticks a story for me because I'm talking about somebody else's story. Yeah. And then I can go, oh, wait, I should do that. So when I'm talking to somebody else, I'm feverishly scribbling notes about things I'm thinking of for my story. So that's, that's, those are the times I feel most creative. Yeah. That actually resonates a lot with me as well. I am um, like once a month, I chat with one of, one of my friends who is also writing a novel and we often do that. So like we talk about each other's, um, e each other's writing plot novel, you know, anything like that. And, and that, that's actually happened for me a couple of times. So yeah, that, that definitely resonates. Um, Okay, brilliant. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to now um, talk more about the origin story for Four Horsemen Publications, because because you've I think you've given a you've given a sort of glimpse into how hard it can be for authors and like some of the traps that you can fall into um, when you're trying to get your 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 story published. Um, but and so just with that in mind, then um, I just um why did you why did you decide to set set up this company and actually we should start with maybe a quick overview of of the company okay so um uh, I, the overview of the company four horsemen publications our tagline is we're bringing the publishing apocalypse because the publishing world has to change and not like just by us but there are a lot of smaller presses or medium presses which is what we're considered that are making a difference, including self-published authors. So the, the company itself is in support of diverse authors. Like we hate genre barriers because a lot of publication companies only want things that fit in a certain kind of box, right? And so you can't be writing a paranormal sci-fi thriller because nobody wants paranormal sci-fi thriller that involves goblins. You know, they go, no, we don't want that. But I think for too long, we've been fed a lot of books because corporate people have decided what we want to read, yeah. not actually looking at what we want to read. So we started um, the company on the basis that we want to give authors their voice. We don't want to change their stories. We just want to do the things that 
a lot of authors don't understand how to do, which is one, um, we do editing, but we do it mainly to fix like grammar and tenses and things like that. We don't do a lot of developmental editing because they have a story, right? We do series or multi-book authors because if you're going to be successful as an author, you generally need to have more than six, seven books out. I mean, it's somewhere between six and 20, to be honest, so, oh. which can be overwhelming to, for people to hear. But if you actually think about getting writing like you would if you were a runner or a jogger or doing exercise or any hobby or anything you want to accomplish, you have to treat it like a job and not like, oh my God, I hate my job, but it's a job. Like you have to write every day. You have to work at it every day and you get better and faster. So I don't know anyone who ever took up jogging, but I took, a, I, I was like, I'm going to do a 5k. Well, oh my God, that was way too much of a thing, but whatever, I'm going to do a 5k. So when I started doing them and you know, you can walk whatever it is, you know, a mile's 20 minutes on average or something like that. Do take these numbers because this is math. And I'm not <laughs> gonna, um, but I, you know, you have to get better at it. So we started four horsemen to go. We want authors who want to write. We want authors who want to do things, but authors don't realize like a cover is so vital for the actual marketing of your book. Not because you love the cover. I want you to love your cover, but I don't care if you love your cover, if it sells the books because covers sell books. They're little thumbnails. People scroll through them mainly on their phones now. So it has to pop and grab people. And it also... People go, that's a book in a genre I like to read, believe it or not. Or they go, oh, that looks interesting. But I'll tell you, take readers of certain genres, they know what their book covers look like. And if you lined up 10 different versions of the same book cover, but they they would go, wait, is what is is that a is that a romance or is well, that a whatever? Yeah. Welcome to my bookshelf because my partner will only read sci-fi novels to the point where he's running out of novels because he is almost exhausted, like he feels like he's almost exhausted the sci-fi and that's just my bookshelf and they all look the same <laughs> they do and it's not bad that they look the same because yeah. he recognizes yeah. this is a sci-fi novel and ergo he buys it yeah so there's that there's blurb there's metadata which is how the books are coded and how they're put because all of these websites have algorithms because they all track literally everything we do our lives are no longer our own Thank you, AI overlords. And they tell you what books you want to read, but if they're not in the correct data fields, your book will never show up for somebody who is a reader for you. So authors just want to write. So the whole premise of this company is let's get authors writing. Let's give authors a chance that are non-agented because that's a whole path that can be great or disastrous for people. And let's get more work into the world in higher volume. Because a lot of places, even if you write a series, will take book one. And if it doesn't sell dramatically, guess what? No other book comes out in that series unless you do something else. So that was the genesis. I was kind of tired of seeing how it was going out there and hearing story after story of these authors, you know, and uh, how the publishing company changed the end of their book, how it changed the characters, how it did a different cover, how it changed the title of their book and stuff like, so when you take a piece of art and I go, well, here's your art, but it's not your own anymore. Yeah. And you don't have to say so in it. Yeah. So if, so what can an author expect then when they, if, if they're, if they're working with you? So you said that you do minimal editing, you, you, you help 
you you know you've talked about the, the importance of book covers is there anything else specific that sort of sets you apart from the traditional publishing publishing industry yeah. when an author's working with you I think so well first I'm here so it's brilliant no just kidding totally <laughs> of course <a> that's <laughs> What sets us different is the two major ways authors sell books are word of mouth and author platform. That 62% of your book sales will come from that. Most authors don't understand how to set up their author platforms, which is their social media, their newsletters. Like people don't know that 20 to 25% of your newsletter following will buy your books. So okay. if you have a thousand people on your newsletter, which is a very tiny amount of humans, right? 250 of them are going to buy your books as they come out, right? If you look at the statistics, the average number of books sold by even the major publishers is under a thousand. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Written word media has a whole article about the last um, 52 months and what the top seven publishers of the 45,000 books they put out sold. And like 70% of them were under a thousand books. There's like 15% of them that are under 12 books. Don't know why that number is the start. But I, I think people don't realize that self-published authors, small press authors, because you see things like, I was a USA Today bestseller. I was a New York Times bestseller. I don't know if people know this. You got to spend about seven grand to become a New York Times bestseller. Less than 10% of New York Times bestsellers are actually making money off of their books because it costs so much to be a New York Times bestselling author. Wow. Like there's all these layers, I'm just tip of the iceberg that authors don't realize and it puts you at a disadvantage because you think you're not as good, but there are self-published authors that are quantity wise selling more books than the people with the top seven big publishers, right? Yeah. That's just how that works. And so as an author, we help you Get your platform set up, find your audience. We're there because those moments where you panic about weird stuff. And I love all of my authors, those listening, you guys are my amazing partners in this business, um, but they can come up with stuff because you're all alone and something will happen, especially imposter syndrome. Oh. Where you start going, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And the fact is you need somebody there going, yeah, you are, you're amazing. Let's do this. Or when you get stuck, you need somebody helping you going, okay, let's fix this. Or when life happens to you, you might need somebody going, good, let's push your release date out because X happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and we publish all of our books. First of all, we have longer contracts. So we always have the series that's going to come out. All of our authors do a minimum of two books per year, which can sound daunting to people. But again, back to what I was saying about getting in the rhythm and doing it, because if you do a certain amount of words per day, you can do quite a few books per year. I have yeah. friends that have done, um, a couple of our authors did over, you know, almost 500,000 words last year. But that's because they literally sit down because you get faster and you get better yeah. at it if you practice. And you're always going to become a better author than when you started a book and you can't like, you know, edit it to death. But that was the premise, like, we're going to help you. We're going to help you be successful because if they're not successful, I'm not successful as a publisher. Like they need to sell a lot of books and not in a bad way, but they need to sell a lot of books. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Because if they don't sell a lot of books, Four Horsemen's not making I need to continue. <laughs> getting more yeah. So it's working with them so they can be successful and they know what to do. 
And um, when they get stuck, we're there to help them. And we have trainings and we have monthly meetings that cover things all the time, like how to set up your newsletter and we record them. So anybody can go back and watch them. And we do uh, deep dives into how to set up for events and how to reach out to things. Like a lot of publishing companies are like, cool, you got a book, you're out there. Have fun, knock yourself out. Okay. And they give you advances that if you don't sell enough books, you owe them the advances back. Like there's so many, and then there's vanity presses which charge you to do your book. Never ever pay to have your book published. If I could say one piece of advice to authors out there, never pay to have your book published under any circumstances, unless you're self-publishing and you're buying the cover, the editing, whatever. But if you have a publisher, you should not be paying to have your book published. Wow. I mean, that. thank you for that piece of advice. Because I mean, I, I knew basically none of this. And I just told you that publishing a book is kind of my dream. So so thank you. I'm finding this You're very welcome. useful. <laughs> and I, I know I, I know at least 10 people straight off the bat who I who will find this very useful. Um, I mean, it sounds it sounds incredibly supportive and um, in, like incredibly supportive of authors, but also it sounds like you like you know what you're talking about, you know, because um, I think you're right. There is a narrative that follows the publishing industry like, oh, well, if it's not, you know, if you're not being published by blah, blah, or blah, blah, then like, is it even a real thing? Like there's there's just so much of that. I just come across so much of that. Um, uh, so this is very refreshing um but I'd like I'd I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the stories that that you publish um like how do you how do you how do you choose which stories to publish what do you think makes the stories awesome I look for um interesting voices you know when we when we started you know we had um you know we started with our own books so it's me um my COO, my partner um, in Four Horsemen, Valerie Willis, and she's got like 20 years of industry experience, metadata covers all of that. I talk about it, but I, I know just enough like Diet Coke, I know one calorie to be dangerous. She's actually the brilliant mind behind that. And another friend of mine who's a PhD in English literature, J.M. Gad, who is my lead editor. We now have like 80 people between employees and contractors that work for us. So we have a lot of people that know what they're doing, right? Um, but the, oh my gosh, where was I going with that? What was the question again? I just got wrapped <laughs> in my own mind. Don't Woo! worry. Don't worry. Um, just sort of, I was asking you to tell us a little bit about the stories that you publish, like what makes oh, the story stories awesome. that we publish. Yeah. So we started with our books, which are, you know, Minor Horror, There's Paranormal Romance. And then like one of our first authors that came on board uh, was a young adult author who's writing the Realm series that is a series where you're hopping through realms. And um, there's actually something like 38 books being written in the series between the different realms. So a voice like that, that wasn't, you know, sort of the similar thing. And then, you know, um, one of our my favorites is we have a male male high fantasy erotica series called steel and thunder which involves an orc and a human and the covers look like fabio covers from the 1980s you know with the hair blowing and the pirate shirts you know that kind of thing and you know we have a lot of own voices where we have 
um, you know, interracial romances, or we have thrillers, or, you know, we, we have one that's um, uh, the, it's a witch series. The first one's called Witch of the Black Circle. It was about the satanic panic of the 80s. And we have some sci-fi ones that are fun sci-fi ones, like, um, uh, like, I don't want to say like Star Trek, Star Wars, but like fun team adventure ones. And then we have mm -hmm. ones that are really kind of serious. And then we have dystopian ones. Like there's so many, and I feel like I'm not doing all my authors justice, but what's neat about them is um, they're all the stories they wanted to tell and not the stories we told them that they needed to tell. Yeah. So where they go with their series, like we have high fantasy authors that are true, like Tolkien-esque high fantasy sword sorcery kind of things. But then we have um, ones like we have the uh, Birth of the Fae series, which is all about fairies. And because um, there's a whole mythology about when angels got locked out of heaven, they became fairies and gods and stuff like that. It involves dragons, but they're in urban times. There's just, there's so much. And we just find stories that are incredibly fun and different and kind of cross some um, genres. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that you, and, you know, steampunk. So we don't have anywhere like where we're like, you absolutely have to fit in this box for us to do them. We have children's books. One of our more popular children's book series is about, um, these kids that save endangered creatures. Oh, wow. And so each book is about a different endangered creature they save and they move to a moon base. And like, it's really neat, but um, the author puts part of her proceeds to helping the endangered creatures of the world and stuff like that. Wow. So a lot of our authors are not, um, you know, we're, we're getting some more prolific authors that are moving to us. And that's the other thing is we bring authors back catalogs and go, yeah, let's republish your back catalog because that's what people look for. Like when they go to buy a book, you, if you like that book, you buy everything from that human, you know, yeah. like you're like, you want to hit the buy button. And it's, you know, I, I tell authors this a lot too, is if you have one book out, I know you're excited. You want to go promote it everywhere. Don't promote till you have three books out because okay. you're doing a waste of time and energy if they're only buying the one, I mean, if you're only ever going to write the one book, fine, but you put a lot of energy into them buying this book, but you lose them because they are going to read way faster than you can write. Like romance readers read seven to 10 books a week. Yeah. Yeah. What? Seven to 10 books. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. They, they, uh, it's, they eat it. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> like, oh my you know, gosh. So if you think about it and think how long it takes you to read a book, right? Even if you're super busy or an audiobook, that author is never going to keep up with you in a no. million years. So if you want, you, you're going to, if you, it's going to be a year or two years before your next book out, which it should never be right faster. Um, <laughs> that you're going to have to refine them again to put your next book. So all this energy you're going to put where if you, they bought three of your books, then they tend to be hooked. Then they tend to follow you, follow your newsletter, that sort of thing. Because yes. then you you kind of draw them in where one book, you got to hope they remember you at the end of one book. That Even though it's exciting. Sense. I know it's exciting. Everyone out there, authors get this look on their face when I tell them that, like, I just, you know, like didn't bring the puppy I promised up. to bring or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
what do you mean I can't shout about it yeah um it makes a lot of sense though like it, it does um yeah okay so my final question then oh it's already over this I know so no I, okay. I think okay. I could chat to you for just hours on end I would love um that. final question I'm okay. I'm ready I'm ready, ready. Uh, what is your dream for the company? My dream for the company is for it to be successful and for us to literally be able to give thousands of authors the opportunity. We're giving um, over 100 now. We have like 140 authors. We started in January 2020. I would love that, but I more so, besides my personal success, um, is creating a community of similar minded businesses that put the artists in the front of it. Right. And, you know, help all these authors be successful. And whether you go self-publishing or independent publishing, it's called now, or you go with a, a publishing company, it should be an experience where you have the tools to do well. And as a community, we need to constantly be lifting everybody up because even the success of Four Horsemen, which I'm very excited about, I don't want to be the only one up here. And I want the ones that are up here to go. We're here and people have amazing things to say. So the narrative is changed and people understand what it takes to get published because there is never going to be a time more books are not needed. Yeah. People love to read. They love to do that. Like I said, you know, even if you only read a book a month, that's still 12 different books a year that an author needs to provide to you. So you, there will never be a time where there's not books needed. So we have to set up a community where all of us are helping each other. And it's not a combative type environment because there's room for every single person on this journey. Yeah. I mean, that's wonderful. And I think the more the more companies doing what you do and I think you said it that the more authors will know what they deserve what like the tools they need what to expect so we you know and I think we can only get to that place if there are more companies like yours um taking the approach that you have I think so yes and they're, they're out there and I'm going to create a way that you can find them because one last little thing that we created as a company is this book called the author's accountability planner. And we put it out every single year and it's for authors to track how much they're writing, how much they're editing to set goals. Every week we have four different muses that help with research and cheering you on and things like that and little writing tips and stuff. And we have a whole Facebook community called the author's account, uh, for HP accountable authors group. So you can start finding your community and we're not the only ones that have something like that. But if you're an author and you want to publish your works, find your community, find your tribe, find the places that are um, doing things that help authors, you know, like author talk network is another one. That's not mine. Uh, we have the Drinking with Authors podcast. I've literally talked to over 400 authors about their journey and you can hear their stories of what they went through and glean what works for you and what doesn't work for you. You know, it's about 
um, knowledge and about finding the people. So writing is a very solitary sport. Usually you're listening to music or by yourself and you're writing. That's how it works. Even if you're in a cafe, you're writing and that's what's occurring. You're not at a social event. So find everyone else for the parts that aren't writing. So you have that and you have that foundation to build your journey on. That's incredible. That's perfect. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've absolutely loved it. I personally have got a lot of this conversation and I know so many, so many people will. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I Yay. really appreciate it. I'm so glad we've had this chat. So before I let you go, um, where can our listeners find you and where can they learn more about Four Horsemen Publications? Absolutely. So you can stalk me on social media at, um, you can find me at author Elance, um, or you can look up um, ericalance.com. You can look up four horsemen publications, the number four horsemen publications.com. Our nonfiction, we do nonfiction as well, is accomplishinginnovationpress.com. You can find the podcast. If you just search drinking with authors, you can find it, but you can go to drinkingwithauthors.com and it has links to both the audio versions and we're everywhere you listen to podcasts or we actually record it on YouTube as well. So if you want to see my smiling face or my drunk face, it just depends on what <laughs> episode you listen to. Um, you can find it there. Um, and uh, yeah, please reach out. Oh, and eerietravels.com is my other podcast with the weird folklore stuff. But please feel free to reach out. We do a lot of events. We do a lot of speaking. If you need help, whether or not you know what to do with your journey, look us up, find us, because our goal is not only to have authors and the publication, but for everybody to do phenomenal. Thank you so much. That's perfect. And I'm going to put, I'm going to make sure that all of that information is in the show notes as well, so that people can just, they can find you very easily. But I just want to say thank you again. This has been so great. Oh, um, you're so welcome. This is so fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome.